tonight. So we've got one more video that we're going to watch. And uh, this is from a young lady named Ann Wilson. And you might know this song. But this is more than just a song. And the video that goes with it is more than just something that was created to go with the video. This is actually a depiction of something her and her family went through when she was a young girl. <coughs> so I would love for you to pay attention to this and, and to absorb this. I'm so sorry. We did everything we could. Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause shame's done all it's dealing. And you're desperate for some healing. Let me tell you about my Jesus.
Lord, I would ask that you would get me out of the way this morning. That you would give me a little bit of energy that I don't seem to have. And that you would make this all about you. Lord, I just pray this in your son's name. Amen. So that was that was Ann Wilson. And I, I really enjoyed that song. That was a, a tragedy in the life of her family when her older brother died. And as a young girl, she resolved that that tragedy would become a part of her testimony, a part of her life story. Not in a, I went through this horrible thing and it has defined me sort of a way, but in a, I went through this horrible thing and I'm never really going to forget it. But how awesome my Savior is and was through this, and let me tell you that part of how awesome Jesus is. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Now that requires taking Jesus seriously. That requires taking the gospel seriously. That requires taking his word seriously. That requires taking your prayer life seriously. You cannot be just a casual fan of Christianity. I'll go to church if there's nothing better to do. I will, I, I'll, I'll read my Bible if there's nothing better around here to read. I will, I will talk to God when something bad happens. You cannot be just a casual fan of Christianity and then have the spiritual strength to take something tragic and turn it into, let me tell you how great Jesus is, even though my life hurts right now. It takes more than a casual commitment to be able to do that. And that idea of telling people about Jesus, that is really the heart of evangelism. And evangelism is one of those Christian words that we've all heard for most of our lives, at least the part of our lives that are around the church. Because we hear that word a lot, evangelism. Most of us can sort of pretty much kind of define it. But we kind of fall short when it comes to living it, to living it out, to walking it out. And, and that's not even always our fault because I think the modern church uses that word evangelism almost interchangeably with a bunch of other Christian words. I was in a previous ministry, I was really frustrated. Our church did a really cool church picnic every year. I mean, they had bounce houses for the kids. Hundreds and hundreds of hot dogs, and they would give hot dogs to everybody who came to the church picnic, whether they were a part of the church or not. They would have volleyball tournaments going on for teenagers and for young adults. They had live music going on for people. People would bring lawn chairs and just hang out. It was a great time. And we got a new pastor, and the new pastor says, we're going to change this event, and we are now calling it Evangelistic Outreach. And at first, I got really excited. I said, all right, what, what are we changing? This is going to be cool. And he said, I just told you, we're, we're going to start calling this evangelistic outreach. And I said, well, yeah, that's, that's kind of exciting, but what are we going to do different? And he said, we're not changing the event. We're just going to call it an evangelistic outreach. And that, that really kind of crushed me because... 
we weren't set up, we weren't telling our faith stories, not that spiritual conversations can't happen at a church picnic, but we weren't kind of kind of prompting the church to say, look, we've got people from the neighborhood drifting through because we're giving away free hot dogs, and we got these bounce houses going on, it's a good time for spiritual conversations. We weren't prompting that. We weren't telling people how to have those conversations. At no point during that event was anybody really reading God's word out loud. Nobody was preaching out of God's word. Nobody was, was laying bare the story of Jesus on the cross. The pastor was just using a religious word to kind of describe what was a really good church picnic. Now, as a church picnic, it was really cool. As evangelism, sharing the gospel, it was kind of a dud. Because we weren't really doing that. And that, that really frustrated me. Because so many people in our culture, in our churches, we don't really know for sure what evangelism is. We don't really know for sure what it isn't. We just kind of know that some things are and some things aren't. And, and we just kind of try to sit in the middle. And, and we don't want to mess it up. We don't necessarily want to do it. Most of the preacher makes us. But we don't want to mess it up and we're certainly... We're certainly not opposed to it. Now, evangelism is the spreading of the Christian gospel. I googled this, so that means we know it's, it's official. <laughs> evangelism is the spreading of the Christian gospel by public preaching and personal witness. So that means when the preacher gets up and publicly speaks, kind of like I'm doing now, although this is church family, this isn't really, really public, even though we're on Facebook, and it'll be on YouTube later. Uh, but, but the Bible studies that we do here, anytime somebody is, is up front and kind of talking out loud, that's a part of it. That kind of public preaching, public speaking, public sharing. But there is also another part of that. Personal witness. Now, sometimes that can mean the preacher's personal witness. His personal story, the personal conversations that he is having with people that he encounters in the community, in the neighborhood, out there in the, in the workplace, or, or wherever he is, but not just the preacher. When I say not just the preacher, I don't mean the preacher and then Sam and then myself. All of us are personal witness. And that's something that tends to frighten people. You know what the number one fear in America is? Public speaking. I don't know who said that. That answer was, was, was correct. Public speaking. In fact, when people list their fears, poll after poll, people are more afraid of public speaking than they are of dying. Public speaking scares people. And I get that. I'm kind of an introvert. It kind of frightens me too. I cannot believe that God called me into the ministry because I would rather be in the back row of the church just kind of sitting and absorbing. In fact, I sometimes think that's why he called me into the ministry to keep me from just sitting in the back row doing nothing. <coughs> Let's look at uh, Mark chapter 16. We're going to go a couple different places in God's word this morning and we're going to be in the easy to read version. Uh, do, your, do your best to keep up if you're turning pages with us. If not, we'll have them on the screen. 
Mark 16, chapter 15, he said to them, Go everywhere in the world, tell the good news to everyone. This is Jesus. Go everywhere in the world. Now, he's not telling you to go everywhere in the world. He's not saying, Zach, quit your job, and I want you to go visit every city, every county, every state, every country, and every continent, telling them about Jesus. He's not saying that, and leave your family, go hungry, and quit your job to go do this. He's not telling you to do that, but he's saying to Christians, go everywhere in the world. We are supposed to cover the entire world, telling them the good news. Matthew 18, 19. This verse should be at least a little familiar if you've had any caffeine so far this morning. So go and make followers of all the people in the world. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So kind of the same thing. Go make followers of all the people in the world. But he's going a step further. He's saying go baptize them. What is baptism? Dunking them in water, sprinkling them with water. Immersing. Immersing. Doing something so that they can publicly declare their faith. That involves a little more hands-on than just telling them, right? I can't baptize people by standing up here and talking to you. I've actually got to get into your life and have a conversation with you. If I'm going to put you in the water, I actually have to touch you to dunk you in the water. Especially so I can pull you back up out of the water so that you don't drop, right? That's a, that's a hands-on interactive thing. And that's how it is our church has done several baptisms. And it is very interactive. I absolutely love the fact that when we baptize at Fresh Start Fellowship, and, and sometimes we will use the church next door because they have a baptistry and we don't. And so we will say after the service, we're going to go over there and we're going to baptize and you are invited to join us. And what I absolutely love is everybody comes. It's not like one of those you are invited to and then two-thirds of the people just get in their car and leave. Everybody comes and we all kind of participate in that. And we all get excited about that. But go and baptize. He's putting some verbs into this. Don't just go and share. But go and get into people's lives. Go tell, make followers. We heard this, remember the four chairs? Talked about it a long time ago. The making of followers, it takes an investment of, of your time. It takes an investment of your love. It is awful hard to share Christ with somebody if you don't love them on some level. It takes some work to push into somebody's life because people are hard work. Especially unsaved people because they got all kind of hard questions about Jesus. How can a loving God let people suffer? It's a pretty hard question, right? How can a loving God let me suffer? Aren't there a lot of different paths to God? Aren't there a lot of different beliefs? How do you know that your belief is the correct belief? I know you believe in your belief, but how do you know that your belief is the correct belief? That's work to push through that with people and explain those answers because those aren't like one word easy answers. I mean, you can Google it, but you'd have to have an awful lot of faith in Google to think that Google's going to give you an answer that you're going to be so satisfied with that you can give them that they're going to be satisfied with. These are the kind of questions that people ask me. So, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to share Christ with my neighbor. And my neighbor asks this question about human suffering and a loving God. 
What do I tell them? And I usually say, well, I can't give you a great answer right now on the phone. Let's get together and let me share with you what I believe about that. That way you can share what you believe. Because that's a little more work, but that's also a little more real. Because the people who made a spiritual impact in my life talked about what they believed. They didn't talk about what their preacher believed. They didn't tell me, well, you should believe this because this guy named Sam believes it. They said, let me tell you what I believe. And that requires for you to be able to articulate those things. And that could be hard. Acts chapter 1 verse 7. Jesus said to them, The Father is the only one who has the authority to decide dates and times. They are not for you to know, but the Holy Spirit will come on you and give you power. You will be my witnesses. You will tell people everywhere about me, in Jerusalem, in the rest of Judea, in Samaria, and in every part of the world. What I want to focus on in those verses is just that, that right little bit. The Holy Spirit will come on you and give you power. This is such an important mission, not for your preachers, but for you, that the Holy Spirit is going to give you gifts to do this, going to give you power to do this. The Holy Spirit is going to equip you to do this. Does anybody in here like spy movies? And I love some of those old James Bond movies. I'm, I'm not as crazy about the new stuff. But some of the old stuff, some of those old spy TV shows, Wild West and Get Smart, I got all that stuff on DVD. I love that stuff. And as a kid, my favorite part of any of those movies or any of those TV shows was always at the beginning of the mission when, when somebody would, would give the hero like this, this box of gadgets or this, this briefcase full of little gadgets that they would need. They might have you know, shoes that would have a knife in them or a, a watch that shot darts, or, or one time there was a watch that had a little circular saw in it, and I don't know what made the circular saw run, but when I was 10 years old, I didn't care. I just thought it was kind of cool. One of them had a car that turned into a submarine. I think that was a James Bond movie. And, and, and you know, the gadgets and the stuff that he was equipped with, it was always different depending upon what the writers dreamed up for that movie or that episode, what he was going to need, then they would give him gadgets to kind of solve those impossible problems. And God has gifted us, the Holy Spirit has gifted us, equipped us in different ways to carry out this mission. Equipped us in specific ways that we are going to need. Ephesians 4, verse 11. And that same Christ gave these gifts to people. He made some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to go and tell the good news, and some to care for and teach God's people. Christ gave these gifts to prepare God's holy people for the work of serving to make the body of Christ stronger. Exact same mission, but different gifting. Because you are not called to go out there all by yourself Pack your suitcase, Zach, and get ready to go everywhere and give the gospel. We are called to work as a team with our brothers and sisters because some have different gifting. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but is anybody in here afraid of public speaking? You might want to partner up with Sam because as shy as Sam is, he can dig deep within himself and come up in, a, in front of a crowd of people and share 
Is anybody really good at hospitality, at, at, at hosting or, or hostessing an event, making sure the coffee is ready and the donuts are all laid out and everything? We had James and Jenny came in early this morning to get the coffee ready, which I maintain is just as important as the worship, to get the coffee ready this morning. That's a gift to be able to do that. And that all works together. You're sitting enjoying a cup of coffee, and I'm preaching, and you're enjoying the coffee, not because I got it ready, because somebody else did. I did go and buy the donuts, but I almost forgot the donuts. So we were really almost really enjoying the coffee because that was almost all we had. But we were all given these different gifts so that we can work together in this mission. Go into all the world. Go and baptize people. We're all supposed to be working together. None of us are called to just observe and watch this process. I'll let the pastor handle it. That's what he gets paid for. I'll let Sam handle that. Sam seems to like teaching Bible study. I'll just let him run with it. I don't want to step on his toes. We're all called to be a part of this. We want to look at the best example of, of evangelism that I, that I think we can find. Acts chapter 8. And I'm sure you have seen this before. This is about Philip. <coughs> Starting in verse 26 of Acts chapter 8. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. The angel said, get ready to go south on the road that leads down to Gaza from Jerusalem, the road that goes through the desert. So Philip got ready and went. On the road he saw a man from Ethiopia. He was a eunuch and an important official in the service of Candace, the queen of Ethiopians. He was responsible for taking care of all her money. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. Now he was on his way home. He was sitting in his chariot reading from the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit said to Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. So he went down to the chariot and he heard the man reading from Isaiah the prophet. Philip asked him, do you understand what you are reading? The man answered, how can I understand? I need someone to explain it to him. Never felt that way when you're reading your Bible. Then he invited Philip to climb in and sit with him. The part of the scriptures that he was reading was this. He was like a sheep being led to the butcher. He was like a lamb that makes no sound as its wool is being cut off. He said nothing. He was shamed and all his rights were taken away. His life on earth has ended, so there will be no story about his descendants. The official said to Philip, please tell me, who is this prophet talking about? Is he talking about himself or about someone else? Philip began to speak. He started with the same scripture and told the man the good news about Jesus. While they were traveling down the road, they came to some water. The official said, look, here is water. What is stopping me from being baptized? Then the official ordered the chariot to stop. Both Philip and the official went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Anybody know what happened to verse 37? He was taken away. Philip was taken away. That was right after that. Verse 37, between 36 and 38. Anybody have verse 37 in your Bible? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Some translations omit that verse. They leave it numbered. Now, God didn't provide the numbers. When the Bible was written, God didn't, didn't tell the person writing it. Okay, 1, 2, 3, 36, 37. All those, those were added later. 
So some translations omit that where, where Philip answers him. Hey, here's some water. What's keeping me from being baptized? And then they went and got baptized. And some, just a little bit of Bible trivia, some versions omit that part where Philip says nothing. As long as you really believe, as long as you understand. <coughs> That's a question we baptize here at Fresh Start Fellowship. Those are the questions we ask when somebody says, hey, hey, Pastor, I want to be baptized. We have some follow-up conversations to make sure they really believe and they really understand what they're doing. That they're not just, hey, I saw somebody else get dunked and I want to get dunked too. We make sure that they understand. Now, the time between Isaiah being written, Isaiah is a book out of the Old Testament. Everybody in here already knew that. I didn't need to say that. Isaiah is a book out of the Old Testament written about 770 years before the book of Acts, give or take a few years. And this was written to prophecy, to prophesize about Jesus, who was already crucified and resurrected by the time Philip is interacting with this man. So this man is reading a prophecy that has already come true, but it hadn't come true at the time he was, he was written. And he had questions about it. And Philip was obedient to answer those questions. Now, God didn't show up and say, here's what to say, here's how to answer this question. But, but God told him to go. In verse 27, Philip got ready and went. God told him to go, so he got ready and he went. Hearing from God. How do you hear from God? Back up just a minute. How do you hear from God? Now, how did Philip hear? How do you hear from God? I mean, God still talks to us, right? Still tells us things. If you look over at Jenny, she has given us the answer. Without making any noise, she's, she's pointing at her Bible. We hear from God by reading His Word, by staying tuned in with Him, by having a prayer life, by working on worship, by working on memorizing Scripture then we hear God in our life. Now, we often don't hear a voice come out from under the bed that says, hey, Allison, go do this. But we can feel God prompting us to do things. I think most of us have felt that. I think if we're going to be really honest, most of us have felt that prompting and then done a pretty good job of ignoring it. But we feel that prompting from God all the time. And I think most of us know when you ignore it, it doesn't mean it goes away. It usually comes back with a little bit more momentum behind it. But hearing is just, just a part of it. Philip heard and he obeyed. He didn't, oh, I'll do it someday, I'll get around to it. He heard and he went. He got ready and he went. Got behind on my note. So he told him, so when he, when he went and he was on the road, then he felt this prompting, go and stand next to that chariot. Now this wasn't just like this easy task. Oh, see that chariot? I want you to go stand over there. Good things are going to happen. You go stand over there and I'm going to bless you and it's going to be a, a prosperity moment in your life. No, he was telling him, go stand over there. At this point in history... Christian persecution was happening. Christian death from persecution was happening. 
People were losing their lives for publicly proclaiming Jesus. People were being tortured for publicly proclaiming Jesus. So this prompting, go and stand next to that chariot, I don't know the guy in the chariot. What if the guy in the chariot wants to kill me because I'm a believer? The stakes were pretty high. He went anyways. He obeyed, even though he was going, even though he was going outside of his comfort zone. He went and he obeyed. He, in verse 30, he went down to the chariot and he heard the man reading from Isaiah the prophet. At that point, he didn't need any more prompting because he went and he stood next to the chariot and he hears the guy reading out loud from Isaiah and he says to himself, well, I'm familiar with what the guy's reading and God hasn't sent me to come over here just to check the tires. God has sent me here because he wants me to do something spiritual, to have a spiritual conversation. So he strikes up a conversation with the guy, hey, what are you reading? How do you understand it? And the guy says, I, I don't understand it. I need somebody to explain it to me. That's what we call an open window of opportunity. Because Philip understood this. And he says, I need somebody who understands this. And Philip says, oh, well, that's probably why God told me to come here today. And then told me to go and stand here today. Let me climb up into the chariot at the guy's invitation. And begin to have this spiritual conversation with him. And the part that he was reading from the book of Isaiah, this prophecy, he was like a sheep being led to the butcher. This is the story of Easter. This is the Easter story. This was a, a prophecy about what was going to happen to Christ, how they were going to sacrifice him. And this guy is reading this, and he's like, I don't really understand this. Who got sacrificed? The guy who wrote this? Or was he writing this about somebody else? Who could be sacrificed like this? And Philip jumps in with the answer and tells him all about Jesus. Philip began to speak in verse 35. It says, Philip began to speak. He started with the same scripture. He started talking about Isaiah and told the man the good news about Jesus. He started with scripture and then he went on to talk about Jesus. Now, we've got that Easter story. We've got that in Scripture. Philip didn't have that written down, but he continued on to tell the story about Jesus. And part of that story was why Philip believed himself. Why do you believe? Would you be prepared to explain not just Isaiah, not just the Easter story. I'll bet most of you could explain the Easter story by heart. You've heard it enough times, I'm sure. Some of you could talk pretty intelligently about the book of Isaiah. Because we've, we've worked through that as a church. What does Jesus mean to you? What has Jesus done for you? What does the Easter story mean in your life? That's where it gets a little bit a little bit harder. While they were traveling down the road, they came to some water, and the guy asked about being baptized. And so Philip jumped right in, and they went down to the water, and he baptized the guy. Who has been a Philip 
in your life. Let me, let me flip it a little bit. Not challenging you to be Philip. Who has been Philip in your life? Who has been the person who can answer these spiritual questions for you? Who do you ask spiritual questions to? Do you ask spiritual questions? Because if, if, if you're saying you don't have somebody, I disagree with you. You've got pastors in this church. You've got people in this church. Look around the room. There's a lot of people that I could call for some spiritual answers. Who is that person to you that, that helps you fill in those gaps? That rides along through life beside you that they know Jesus and they understand his story and they care about you understanding it and they care about you knowing it better. Who is that person in your life? Who is so sold out to Jesus that their entire life ministers to you? Not just those moments where you sit down and share a cup of coffee. Not just that time where you come into Bible study and they teach or they raise their hand and say something profound. Not just on a Sunday morning where they come up front and and they open God's word and preach. Who is somebody whose entire life ministers to you? Maybe it's one of those people. But maybe it's somebody else. Because we're all called to do this. And we're not all called to just let the pastor do all that. Who is that person whose life ministers to you? Because Jesus is such a huge part of their life. Because that's what I want to end with today. Is this idea of who ministers to you. Who is turning you into a Philip? Who is investing that in you? Because the Holy Spirit has already invested in you. If you know Jesus, you have been equipped in some way to work together as a team. None of us are equipped to do all of it on our own. It's not what we're called to do. But we're all equipped in some way to live fully invested in God. Who is going through life with you and helping you begin to be able to say, let me tell everybody about my Jesus. Let me tell everybody about how Jesus took pain in my life and did something good with it. Let me tell you about how Jesus took some stupid choices I made and turned them for the good. Let me tell you how Jesus showed up when I was lost. And helped me get my life on track. Who is helping you with that? I have, that's something that we are going to, to really focus on. Over the next several weeks. As we go through this everyday gospel thing. Those people who help us. I had two in my life. I had more than two in my life. But I've got two that I want to kind of focus on. I think Shannon's got a couple of pictures. That is a guy, I'm the, I'm the skinny guy in the middle, believe it or not. I saw several of you who looked, and then when I said that, you looked again. The, the guy standing with me, his name is Larry Russ. He was a sixth grade school teacher and a junior high youth pastor. He spent more than four decades in youth ministry, working exclusively with seventh and eighth graders. That was, that picture was, that was the night before I left the basic training. And I had to spend some time with Larry and his wife. Um, Shannon's got another picture. 
So it's years later, two years later, I was out of out of the army, a few pounds heavier, and this was at a, uh, a thing at junior high lock in, maybe. That was with Larry, with another youth pastor I knew. And then even more years later than that, you can tell as I get less and less skinny as the pictures go on. <laughs> um, and uh, I ran into Larry at the mall. He was doing a junior high uh, youth event at the mall. They were doing a scavenger hunt, running around, and I ran into him, got to spend some time with him and another one of his youth leaders and some of the kids. Larry spent so much time pouring into my life. Larry was one of those guys that I could ask off-the-wall questions to that I thought that I was the only one that didn't understand something, and it turns out they're the kind of questions that we all have. And I could ask him, and, and one thing that Larry impressed upon me over and over again, God's going to call you to do something, and he wants you to do it every day, all day. When I became, I went to my first church to serve as a youth pastor. And Larry impressed upon me, you are not a youth pastor on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings. You are a youth pastor all week long. Your choices, your decisions, your words, your study habits, your preparation all week long matter as much as Wednesday night and Sunday morning. The next guy we've got, his name is Jim Sloan. I met him, he was a leader in the youth group when I was an unsaved teenager who showed up. Jim impressed me. <coughs> Because when I came back the second week, he remembered my name. He remembered my name because I was a troublemaker. And he had been a troublemaker when he was a kid. So we kind of bonded over that. After the, the previous picture, he and I worked together in a parachurch ministry. After I was out of the army, after I was in college. And uh, we would do these um, junior high days. There was this old converted factory and we did a, a program there. Kids would come to us, leave school, and come on a field trip, and we'd have about 100 junior hires a day, Monday through Thursday. And we would spend the day with them doing kind of character education and, and uh, doing our best to minister to them. Um, Jim did this right there. He's holding a, either a brain or a liver that he got from the, from the butcher. He would do this program about what alcohol and drugs can do to your body, and he would go to the butcher, and he would get brains and livers and, and all of this stuff. And hold them up nice and nice and bloody. And it doesn't sound like much of a program to you, but trust me, to sixth and seventh grade boys, this made a heck of an impression. <coughs> and I think there might be another another picture. The, the biggest thing I learned from Jim, Jim lived to serve King Jesus. Now, he served King Jesus by serving everybody. Jim's favorite part of the day was lunch. We would do a pizza lunch, and we had a little, like, cafe there, and we had popcorn and, and soda and stuff. And Jim just loved to get behind the, we called it the bar. There was a bar there. He loved to get behind the bar, serving popcorn, serving soda, talking to the kids. The, the, this factory we were in served as a youth center on Friday and Saturday nights. And Jim would spend hours on Friday and Saturday nights behind the bar in this inner city neighborhood serving this stuff, I saw these tough gang kids give their lives to Jesus because Jim loved them. And the question that Jim asked every morning as we had prayer before the buses rolled in, 
How can we serve Jesus today? How can we be Jesus today for people who don't know him? I learned so much from Larry, so much from Jim. And I learned that Christianity, it involves a life that is available to constantly nurture Christianity in others. I can't just give you the gospel and then go home and put my feet up and say, well, I told it to him, now it's on them. I need to walk through this with you because some of y'all don't understand everything you read in the Bible. Some of y'all struggle with some sin. Some of y'all struggle a lot with understanding and with sin. I struggle a lot with understanding and with sin. We all need to be doing this together. Back to Matthew 18 to close us up. So go and make followers of of all people in the world. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything that I have told you to do. You can be sure that I will be with you always. I will continue with you until the end of time. This is our charge. This is our mission as Christians. Not to come in here and tread water on Sunday mornings, but to be out there being Philip, answering these spiritual questions and obeying these prompts of God, of the Holy Spirit in our life to do those things. And we can't do them alone. Who is the person in your life that is encouraging you to be fellow? Who is the person in your life that is encouraging you to nurture your gifts and figure out what your gifts are? Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you say, well, I heard about spiritual gifts, but I don't know that I have any of them. You're a believer. You've got some. You just might not know what they are. Or maybe you're not using them. Maybe we can help you figure that out over the next couple of weeks. Because the gospel isn't just a, a church mission. It is an intensely personal mission for all of us. Now, we haven't gone deep into Scripture this morning. We went a handful of places, but we didn't dig deep into any of them. But I think that's because they're so deep on their own that I don't think we need to. We are called to go and do this. Now, the hard part comes not with understanding that we're supposed to do it, I look around the room. I don't see anybody confused. We all get this. The hard part comes with actually doing it. And that's why we need people in our life affirming us and telling us, how could we serve Jesus today? You are called to do what God has called you to do 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Let me pray for us. Lord, I pray that my passion for these scriptures, that my passion for this mission is what was conveyed this morning. Lord, I pray that, that as seriously as our church takes Jesus and as seriously as, as we already take the idea of sharing Christ, Lord, I pray that you will challenge us to go deeper, to go further, and to do more. Because Lord there is nothing else. That is going to save. Or fix. Or heal. 
or adjust our culture the way it needs to be adjusted besides you. And there is nobody else who is going to do it if those who know you aren't doing it. So Lord, I pray that you will challenge us to do this. I pray that you will give us opportunities to do this. And Lord, I pray that we will hold each other accountable to grab those opportunities. Lord, I pray this in your son's name. Amen. And I'm serious. I want you to be thinking about who is that person in your life. Because, trust me, we're going we're gonna to dig back into that. Um, I do have a couple of announcements. We've still got books in the other room.